0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Midtown Midweek where we take the sermon on Sunday and unpack it further to equip you to love Jesus more. And I'm here once again with Pastor Michael Bailey. What's up, Michael? Hey, what up everybody? This is your third one. I know, man, it's feeling like a regular thing, bro. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So to recap, we talked about 1 Timothy chapter four. We talked about how people will fall away from the faith, Mm -hmm. just having that expectation and reality that people will stop following Jesus And uh, Paul takes a really interesting turn in saying how it is demons. It is because of demons that they are walking away. Uh, If you're reading that for the first time or if you've never heard it unpacked, it kind of throws you off your rocker for a bit. And I, I fully believe in the supernatural. I'm completely aware that... The devil is at work. And still, I read that passage and think, uh-huh. whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah. You went there. <laughs> what
1: are we doing here? <laughs> okay, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It, you know, there's a lot of moments like that in First Timothy where it's just like, man, the world of the author feels so foreign.
0: From so disconnected. From my world. You know? Yeah. It's
1: just like, where are we? What is happening? And that that little line in there in verse one and two is... It's just fun. It's yeah. just a lot
0: of fun. <laughs> and those moments like that is revealing to us oh, of yeah. why am I the one that winces and thinks that's weird? Yeah. You know, what does that say about myself? And yeah, for sure, I th- I'm i really appreciative that we are walking through this book and we oh, we're yeah. just line by line, verse by verse, dealing with the weird parts to say, huh, mm-hmm. why'd you say that? And, yeah. you know, that's often more reflective of us as, as modern Americans living in a secular oh, worldview. Yeah, view, yep. for yeah. sure. Unpack more for us, Bailey. Uh, There was a whole lot, I bet, that we couldn't get into for the sake of a 30-minute sermon. But what were some things that didn't make the cut? Well, he said 30 minutes. I am pretty confident I went
1: over 30 minutes on this one but we tried our hardest. We, we sh- really tried. We, we really, sure tried. Did. We we sure really did. tried. It tends to be my Achilles heel. I got more to say than can actually fit into the time limit that I give give for myself. And but there there was 11 pages, right? Something like that. Your sermon was uh, 11, 11 pages, pages long. in that like 12 point font. You know, I like okay. to say, "Oh, it was eight in a 10 point <laughs> font."
0: <laughs> still a lot of content a lot you of worked content. through It was mm-hmm. a lot of
1: content. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there were still things that I So with this sermon, for me, it was less, oh, I have a lot more things that I want to put in. And it was a little bit more of like, man, there's just a lot of really what I consider fun and interesting things to talk about and unpack with this. Because I think, and this was reflected in the sermon, I think despite how foreign the ideas that Paul is giving us might feel. It actually really helps us make sense out of our lived in experience. You know, so he does he does the initial thing at the front end where he kind of throws us off with with you know his demon talk and deceitful spirits and all that. And we tried to give some attention to that and to the sermon. But then he like shifts into: But here's how they work. Like here's Mm -hmm. here's actually what's going on. Mm -hmm. Lies. People believe lies and we just don't realize that the lies we believe are actually influenced by powers beyond our sight, beyond our ability to control and all that. But that's, that's actually what's, what's going on here. And I mean, I feel like that's what we see. Like when we see like within myself, my tendencies towards sin, when I see in myself like my doubts or whatever, it's like, usually those things are influenced by untruths, you know, things that may maybe sound good, things that are enticing or appealing to me that are not real, you know, uh, are not what is true, but I buy into them and I believe them and mm-hmm. they lead me down, you know, a whole, a whole rabbit trail, you know, of, you know, struggle or sin or lack of faith or whatever it may be. And I just feel like that, that notion really connects to all of us. You know, yeah. like we, we see that in ourselves. And it's one of the reasons why here at Midtown, like we emphasize like, you know, the truth train and gospel fluency and things like that. Like we use a lot of different language to talk about this, but really what it is is just measures that we take to help realign our minds and our hearts with the truth, with reality so that we don't get out here into unreality. And eventually at the very far end of it, you know, walk away from Jesus because we have believed in something that we never should have been believing in, in, in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So all that being said, what I, one of the things that I just thought was a lot of fun and maybe my nerdiness is showing a little bit on this, but one of the things that I'm, wanted to devote more time to, but I know we didn't need to in this sermon. Uh, I think I once, know. Oh, oh, yeah, here comes spiritual realm. You all them Elohims and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for all of our listeners out there, that is a little inside joke that uh, Jake and I have. Uh, Elohims is a word used for spirits or God or gods in the uh, Old Testament's Hebrew. Uh, and it kind of goes to talk about, it's a word used to talk about a, a bunch of different spiritual beings, not just God himself, but in including God. Uh, and we just got
0: uh, uh, hot on that idea. Uh, a this while was like, back. A ago, yeah, like a year we ago. We read a book talking about the supernatural realm in the Bible. And we were like, Oh my goodness. Now it's all I see whenever I read yeah, the Bible.
1: The mellow man. And that was the thing. Yeah. Elohims.
0: During teaching team, during teaching team, like every single week, there'd be a moment and Bailey would go the mellow though. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man! So it's a lot of fun, but there like genuinely, there's a lot to talk about here, you know, because mm-hmm. the Bible does ha- like we just said has that worldview that's a little bit or a lot of bit different from our own twenty first century material secular worldview that we're just kind of ingrained with from the get go, you know, uh and so i'm I'm really i let me say this, I'll preface this by saying I think when it comes to things like demonology and you know angels and the spiritual realm and all of that. Uh, there are. I concur with what C.S. Lewis has to say about these realities. When when he talks about the spiritual spiritual realm, excuse me, he talks about two errors that most people make, and one error is that we think about them too much, uh, mm. and the other error is that we don't think about them enough. And I I feel like in our even modern space we see that. Like we see the person who just believes that there's a demon behind every bush, that there's a demon in his toaster that burnt his toast that caused him to do blank, you know, whatever it may be. But just that demons are everywhere. They're possessing everything. And you know, any, any amount of whatever that I do, like it wasn't me. It was a demon who made me do it. So I yelled at my wife, it was the devil who made me do it. And it's like, nah, bro, I think you're just a jerk, man. You know, like I don't think the devil had to get involved with that, you know, or on the flip side, it's oh, just, there's nothing else happening you know like there's no bigger picture there's no spiritual right. realm you know really uh that's affecting anything and it's like both of those are extremes that the Bible does not go to you know uh the Bible is uh in the middle and the reality is is in the middle somewhere and so uh I just think that is an important one I think that's an important framework for Christians to have like we we need to open our eyes a little bit and just let me say this differently I think certain segments of evangelical Christians need to open their eyes a little bit to Mm -hmm. this more, you know, uh, generally the tradition that I was born and raised in and come from theologically speaking tends to, uh, put a damper, you know, on the spiritual realm and ideas of demons and angels and even the
0: spiritual gifts and things like that, you know, completely modernizes it. Yeah.
1: Completely modernizes it. Acts like it wasn't, you know, what the Bible portrays it to be. And and I think that's just a mistake. Like, the reality is, is that the world in which we inhabit is not strictly a material world. It's not, you know? Uh, It is a world that has an overlapping reality of the spiritual realm and the physical realm. You know, in in the sermon, we talk about it being the supernatural and the material, or the supernatural and the natural. And to be honest with you, I don't even really like that language. Like, I don't Mm. think we are helped Often by dividing it into supernatural and natural, yeah. I know what we mean, right? Uh, but it's like no, they all—it's all together. These realities overlap, and it's there's a much more holistic vision for what life is that includes both the spiritual and the physical. And I, I, I just think it's an—I enc- just want to encourage rather. Christians to understand, like, hey, this is our worldview, and I know for some of us as modern Americans, it might make us a little bit uneasy, and that's okay. Like, it can make us uneasy, but there is something to look at here and something to consider, especially when we're considering our fight against sin, uh, especially when we're considering the forces that oppose us and our mission and the kingdom of God. Like, it's not all strictly pragmatic. Sometimes there are spiritual forces at play, and it's good to to own that a little bit and pray against that. You know, it's why prayer in some respects or in not even in some respects, it's why prayer is our greatest weapon, you know, Mm -hmm. like because the battle we're facing is not just flesh and blood. It's spiritual. So the most effective thing we can do is pray.
0: Yeah. When you mentioned Ephesians six in your sermon, Paul is talking about the spiritual forces at work Mm -hmm. and in Ephesians six, he eventually gets to the application of therefore pray. Yeah. Because you realize that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you. That's right. It is a supernatural presence for you to push back against the spiritual That's darkness. right. I forgot
1: that's where he concludes. Mm-hmm. But he literally does. He's like, look, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So get on your knees and pray. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's real. And I mean, he's right. You know, and
0: it makes, it makes sense when we see the, the bigger picture. Yeah. And I think that's an important connection that you made as far as if we tend to, in our minds damper the idea of demonic forces at mm-hmm. work we are also going to damper the holy spirit's really work in us and through right. us and it reminds me of something john piper said in regards to prayer if you don't know life is war and we can even expand that yeah. if you don't know life is a spiritual war yeah then you do not know what prayer is for
1: yeah that's a really good point that's yeah. a really good point i think you're on to something there some more things that I was kind of intrigued by, and this kind of fits into that same conversation, uh, is just, so part of what we were aiming to do or what I was aiming to do with at least the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the sermon was to give us eyes to see, you know, help us to see that, that spiritual reality. And there were some concepts that I really would have liked to have hit on there that kind of help paint that picture a little bit more for us, uh, and distinguishes the type of work that we see, you know, demons and the enemy, uh, do or are up to today and it's this idea of hard power and soft power Mm -hmm. you know typically when we think about demonic activity we we most of the time we think about hard power hard power what it is is force you know it's something physically forcing taking control of you and making
0: you do something you know so, so we think about those exorcism movies that come out yes. around the same time every year yes absolutely absolutely that that is hard power if you
1: want to put it into something a little bit more concrete for you like i mean you can think of slavery or you could think of totalitarian uh regimes what that make force their people to do something, to be a certain way—that all that, all of that—is hard power. The uh, the opposite of hard power is soft power. So it's not I'm forcing you to do anything; it's I'm influencing what you do. Persuasion, yeah, persuasion. So you see it in marketing, mm-hmm. you see it in media, in you know movies. You know this is why I bring I brought all of that up even in the sermon of like well, this is why I'm. I lose sleep or I'm concerned with what we're intaking. It's because these are the modes that soft power takes, you know? And so we sit back and, you know, we just indulge in all of these voices and all of this teaching that we don't even realize is teaching all of the time that is persuading us to think and believe, believe and live and act in certain ways. And we have no idea that it's happening. And it's like, this is really, I think, you know, the devil's choice mode of operation in our day and age is soft power. Uh, I forgot where I heard it. Um, God, it might have been C.S. Lewis, but it, it was somebody who wrote. It. it was like one of the uh, the devil's greatest trick is to convince the world that he doesn't exist, or something like that. That's not Lewis. That's somebody else.
0: Isn't that from The Usual Suspects? <laughs> that might be The <laughs> Usual Suspects.
1: Yeah, you know C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, totally. Or The yeah, Usual Suspects. Kaiser-Sose. No, that's Kaiser Soze. Uh, yeah, that's Kaiser Soze. <laughs> 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 that's great. Uh, but yeah, no. But I think that's that's legit. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I, if you were Satan, how would you try to win more? You know, like, I mean, I think you would try to be subversive. You would go guerrilla tactic, you know, like because there's, you know, I mean, to, this is going to sound weird, but the, there's wisdom in that, you know, when you're trying to win a battle, it's like, if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without you actually having to do anything,
0: you win, bro. I forget where I heard this, but whoever has the greater story wins. Yeah. Ultimately, when it comes to governments and societies, whoever has the better story is what's going to draw people and want to crush whoever is opposing that story. Yep. And so when you think of Satan as being the father of lies, he comes with a certain story Mm -hmm. that appeals to your desires that sounds really good at face value when actually it is not reality. Mm -hmm. And we so easily buy into that. And that's why sin in all a lot of ways is talked about as slavery. We become mm-hmm. slaves to our desires. That's right. That's right.
1: I'm struck by, this is a quote from Screwtape letters, which is a fantastic read, by the way, if, if anybody's listening and they don't know what it is, it's a, it's a book by CS Lewis where the, the protagonist is a demon and he writes from the perspective of a demon trying to get his patient, which is a Christian to fall away from Jesus. He's trying to, he's trying to pull this guy away from Jesus uh, and so it's written from an elder demon to a younger demon who's trying to influence this. And he says, uh, it doesn't matter how small the sins are provi- uh, Excuse me. It doesn't matter how small the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards. If cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell, road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And, Like, that quote, when I read it in prep for this sermon, I mean, it just struck me because it's like, I genuinely think for the vast majority of us, this is precisely the road away from Christ that the enemy wants us to travel, Mm -hmm. you know? It's not, he's trying to get us all to go out here and, you know, kill people or have affairs or whatever it may be. You know, the things that we look at and are like, oh, these are the most destructive things in our life. But it's little by little steps that just kind of, subtly take us away from the heart of Jesus, subtly take us away from living our lives for the kingdom and really giving ourselves to discipleship and that kind of things. Just little small baby things that by the time we've done those things for 60 plus years, we are nowhere even close to Christianity. Uh, And honestly, that's my fear probably more than any other for our people is just that that's what we would become. You yeah. know, and that we would be people who still show up to church on Sunday and still do all the things. But because of the little things every day, we move, we inch further and further away from Jesus with, as the day goes on. And then when we get to the end of our lives, we're just separated
0: by a chasm. Part of one way I've seen this play out is even with conflict, someone oh, yeah. gets their feelings hurt or a, an incident happens they interpret it according to their filter. Yep. They they do some negative filtering. They believe something to be true. And perhaps they walk away from church or from mm-hmm. life group or from Jesus altogether. And by the time a conversation is had, you can point them to, no, that's not actually true at all. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. But they've convinced Doesn't themselves matter. so much of this alternate reality, yes. this alternate set of facts. And you can't convince you them can't otherwise. You can't convince them otherwise. And what's so wild is, you are blinded. You yes. have no idea yes. that you are blinded. Yes. Uh, that's, that is a major way that I've seen that play out. Yeah. I think that is a great illustration.
1: Honestly, it's such a good illustration. I wish I'd use it in the sermon uh, for that searing of conscience. idea. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you lock What's happened is, is you surround yourself with untruth. So many untruths for so long that even when you're presented with the truth, you're like, absolutely not. Not bad. No, you're, you're actually the one who's lying. And it's like, oh no! But this is what happens.
0: Yeah. Okay, another '90s movie. I'm gonna let's go. I just wa- rewatched again The Matrix. Oh, this nice. idea of you are living in this false reality. Come back into what is actually reality. But then one of the characters has
1: been good for you, huh? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but one of the characters decides now. I would rather live in this unreality yeah. where I get to uh, get all my desires fulfilled yeah. than to. Uh, Accept what is true. That's right.
1: But it's true, and you know, I think a lot of a lot of us approach life that way. Mm-hmm. That's a very real thing.
0: Yeah. And the call for us, and we're getting into this with next Sunday yeah, sermon. The right. call for us is to renew our minds. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Constantly transforming, and like you said at the beginning, this is one reason why we value so much engage the heart, that's and right. we put a lot of tools behind it even the digging deeper chart Mm -hmm. about what are the lies you're believing about yourself, about Mm -hmm. God and what does God's word actually say Mm -hmm. is true of you. And I love whenever we are in life groups and people gospel up one another Mm -hmm. and they're in some ways they become these light bulb moments of, Oh, "Oh, this is actually true. And I get to step in and walk in the light of what God says and not be Mm succumb to this lie that I've been, believing for so long.
1: Absolutely. That is one of the coolest things of, in my opinion, being a pastor and being a life group leader. And I guess other life group leaders, you can probably resonate with this as well. You know, like we, you know, we see a lot, a lot of the time we see people who are hardened to the truth and just doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter how, like how you just present the truth to them, you know, like they're just shut off to it. Uh, But one of the coolest things is when the opposite happens, mm-hmm. and, like you said, the light bulb goes on, and it's just like, "Oh my gosh, I mean, literally, people having like Paul on the Damascus road moments where the scales fall from their eyes, and it's like, Oh, I see and I see clearly now. It is one of my favorite parts of of being in ministry and being a pastor, and leading life groups, and that kind of thing. It's just watching people get it, watching it just fall into place for them such that they repent of sin. And then genuinely follow Jesus
0: with their lives. Say, Jesus, you get it all. You know, it's it is so cool and yeah. and so so great. And a lot of times it isn't even those light bulb moments. It is people who have been walking with Jesus and they're just confessing, hey, this is what I've been wrestling with. Yeah. And someone shares the gospel with them or yeah. gospels them up. And it's just a a reminder of this is what's That's true. Right. And I love getting to be a part of a life group because people get to do that for me and help me see, no, this is, this is what's true. And I think in quarantine, when a lot of us are shut away and we can't see our friends face to face, a lot of us right now are more susceptible towards being isolated and towards believing lies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I'm glad you brought that
1: up. That's something that definitely didn't even get into the sermon. It's like, man, if, if the enemy can get us alone, watch out. Yeah. You know, like if, if he can get us alone, that is going to be the space where we are most prone, in my opinion, to falling for the trap, you know, to taking the bait for sure. And quarantine kind of sets us up in that regard. You know, one of the hardest things about this sermon was knowing that it was a two part sermon. So I couldn't get into any of the. Yeah, the stuff for next week, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that, uh, that I'm most excited about, about how we combat the lies you know how we fight you know as followers of jesus and so i'm really excited for next week when uh, i think tim is preaching Mm -hmm. uh, and he gets to unpack all of that for us because i know this one felt like so much of a cliffhanger i'm just like oh man there's so many lies oh that feels like the deck is stacked against us what do we do and it's just like come back next week listen next week it's gonna be great um but yeah, I mean, genuinely, I mean, just even hearing the things that you brought up uh, and those just being so essential and crucial of why we do what we do, why we have the gospel fluency tools that we have, why we do the digging deeper chart, why we, uh, you know, have the, what are the other ones that we do? The truth train to, to, you know, mm-hmm. all, all that kind of stuff. Like it's, <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a carryover. <laughs> that's a carryover. I can't can't not do it. Bring uh-huh. up the truth train. Uh-huh. Um, I think even my wife has or my wife and my son have little train whistles that we gave out once when we taught about truth train. So I mean it's it, oh, t- t- awesome. In there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just you know, knowing that it's not a battle that we fight A alone and it's not a battle that we don't that we fight without resources. Um Yeah, just I I I would have loved to have gotten into that, but that's what we're saving for next week. So I'm excited to hear all that Tim gets to unpack next week about pursuing godliness and fighting the lies with the
0: truth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's going to be great. When we were looking at that draft during teaching team, both you and I were like, oh, I right. want to teach this. Yeah, Dang right. it, Tim. That's right. like, Tim, <laughs> I want this one. Can I have this one? No, it's going to be great. For what it's worth, we will put those resources that we've mentioned in the show notes. Michael, thanks again so much for teaching. It was awesome. Always. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm.